diving into data. Diving, diving, data. Diving into data with TC Riley. Hello, hello, hello again, everyone, and welcome into another segment of Diving Into Data. I am your host, TC Riley. How are we doing out there? How are you hanging in there? Wrapping up Q3, moving on into Q4 in the start of October. Fall, it's nice and cool here in Texas, or starting to get cool here in Texas. Probably is wherever you are in the world. Our segment today is talking about football feeling the pain. Football, another thing that goes with this weather and makes me so happy this time of year. But we're going to specifically look at some of the things around the rash of injuries that the NFL has seen over the first few weeks of their season um, and kind of what are the causes of that? Are there some obvious things and um, there's some things maybe that people aren't thinking of and the other stuff uh, that you don't consider when you think about these NFL injuries and how the NFL season's been impacted, like every sports league has by the ongoing pandemic, is what's this actually going to do for next year's NFL draft and future seasons? So with that, sit back. Relax, grab a drink if you choose to do so. Let's dive into some data. Alrighty, as always, before we start here, got to shout out a couple great sources that assisted me as I was preparing this segment here. Uh, the first was a Pittsburgh Post-Gazette article about how NFL players worry about their health and safety, talking about injuries. LA Times article I found about the how the altered offseason could be a factor behind the NFL injuries. Some great points made in that one. And then a Ringer article about how college football's altered season will upend the NFL draft industry. So, a number of different articles here, and really what it boils down to, what we're talking about. I mentioned it's it's fall, it's cool. Um, if you're my wife, it means that pumpkin season at Starbucks and such are just around the corner. But for those of us like me, it means that football is back. And while it has been incredible to see some football, last week and got the first what I'll call real week into college football um, out of the way. For the NFL fans, it's it's been a tough start to the season, and uh, what I mean by that is, uh, anecdotally, week one and two of the NFL season seemed to have more major injuries than any season I can remember uh, in history. Um, it was brutal. Uh, just to run through some of the names that went down in the first two uh, weeks, so Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, all done for the year, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, pretty much every 49ers running back and heck, almost every player on the 49ers team, it seems like. Michael Thomas, Cortland Sutton, Devontae Adams, all out for a big chunk of the year, Sutton being out the entire year as well. There's just a list of NFL stars that you you don't see. I mean, yes, you, every injuries happen, it's football, but this is just ridiculous. Tons and tons of big names and actually tons of smaller names too that we you know you maybe not necessarily recognize it yet, but... Uh, we're going down at an unprecedented rate. We have an unprecedented number of injuries and it makes you really wonder what is going on. So I think the one obvious thing that everyone could point to, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure this out. The altered off season really, really matters. The obvious answer, you know, missing OTAs, missing preseason games, constricted training camps, all those things mean less time for these guys to actually get prepared for a very brutal physical sport. And that could naturally lead to, um, a, a less again a lack of full speed reps we'll call them um, is going to always hurt a team and hurt their preparedness and what we're seeing is it might physically hurt their ability to stay healthy as well. Also, things to consider that uh, what they've gone through the last six months that they wouldn't have in any other year. There's so much less control of training and stretching programs by the players 
um, from the teams. The teams do great jobs with mini camps and OTAs and this and that and the other thing. And they always have their facilities open for folks. They have these training, stretching, strength and programs that really uh, build a player throughout the season. A missing consideration, but I think by a lot of people when you think about what's going on here, is what actually goes into a player's offseason. Um, again, no access to team health officials for maintenance programs. No access to team strength and weightlifting um, officials for uh, the ability to kind of build up the, the muscle that's needed to protect their body throughout the year. No access to any of those team resources, really. And another big thing that I didn't even consider until I was reading these articles was uh, every February, March, April, um, after the season, a lot of guys take some time off, take a little break, but then tons and tons of NFL players get minor surgeries. What to me or you may not be a minor surgery to them, getting a knee scope, getting an ankle taken care of, a shoulder, an elbow, whatever it may be. These little surgeries are kind of, they're considered somewhat elective, but um, they're, they're critical maintenance that a lot of NFL players have to kind of do every offseason. You see this in other sports as well, but a lot of those actually had to be delayed this year by the outbreak of COVID. No one was going in to get their knee scope necessarily unless it was absolutely critical while our hospitals were frankly preparing for a much more serious situation. So some of those surgeries were delayed. People had to get their maintenance, you know, surgeries and tune-ups and stuff later than they typically would. And when you look at all these things that were reduced, again, less access, less, uh, you know, outside medical treatment, less team medical treatment, less team facilities and training, Soft tissue and ligament injuries often correlate very, very highly in a reduction of these programs. This has been proven by many studies um, that these uh, really the strength and weight training programs more so than the surgery option, but that's definitely something to consider. But these correlate to a reduction in lost games when you have a good strength and training program. So in an off season where they didn't have any of that, unfortunately, maybe we shouldn't be shocked to be seeing these number injuries. Um, but again, we're diving into data here. We want to look at the data. And I will say it was kind of tough. This is a topic I really wanted to talk about because I've noticed it so much. And I'm not going to lie, big fantasy football buff. It's been a, a, a rocky season in that regard with all the injuries. But there's only one real comparison um, that the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette laid out that we really can look at. And it's not even still a perfect comparison. But that was the 2011 lockout season. So there was a lockout there most of the summer. There was a labor dispute in the NFL. Um, they eventually came together. I believe the season just got started a little bit late that year. But that year, they had no OTAs in minicamp. So they had no um, you know, midsummer, I guess, you know, training facilities, things like that. However, they did have a full training camp. They did have a full preseason. So it's not nearly as extreme as what we're looking at now. However, there's one particular stat. And yes, this, this could be an outlier. I'm the data guy. I shouldn't be using one particular kind of one-off thing like this, but this just blew my mind. In the first 29 days after that lockout in 2011, 12 NFL players ruptured their Achilles tendon in the first 29 days. So within the first month, 12 ruptured Achilles. That sounds bad. First off, I don't know if there's another injury that sounds more painful than a torn Achilles. So, ugh. Um, but you might think, well, is 12 high or low? Well, there had been 16 in the previous two years combined by NFL players. So 75% as the last two years within the first month. That is... While, yes, again, it's a very small sample size, this isn't necessarily as a, a pure data of approach I'd like to take. We have to use what we have in a comparison for this. That's the only thing we have, and frankly, it doesn't look good. So I, I fear that um, over the next couple of weeks, we might see some more injuries still pop up. This I don't think this is necessarily done, but hopefully 
as players are kind of getting what you could look at almost as through preseason, quote-unquote. They've gotten those games under their belt for the first few weeks. Hopefully this goes down and we don't see any more debilitating injuries because, hey, uh, we uh, I'm a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I like the Dallas Cowboys and all, but at the end of the day, I'm an NFL fan. I want to see good football, and I want to see the best players playing it. So let's hope they stay healthy. All right, so that's the this year aspect of this, but there's one other thing that I don't think necessarily people are thinking about, um, or at least not yet. And that is, how is this going to impact the NFL draft? And when you first, when you, when I first asked that question, you probably think and say, well, I mean, they did the remote draft this year, so how could it be different? Yeah, but the outbreak didn't really happen until some people had already had like the senior bowls and things like that. Some of the typical offseason kind of prep for the NFL draft, some of the pro days were able to be get, uh, to get in. It's going to be a weird year this year because we we have a lot more prep time. Um, now all that kind of came crashing down all at once right before the NFL draft last year. But it's going to be an unprecedented year. Um, the first biggest, most obvious thing, a ton of top draft eligible players have opted out of the season, even if their college football season wasn't canceled. Uh, I get it. looks as of now, looks like every league's going to be coming back, some with a more condensed season than others. But a lot of top draft eligible players have opted out for the season. You see a lot of the guys, if you look, if you follow any of the draft boards and things like that, probably half the guys in that first round mock have opted out this year. Um, frankly, it seems like everyone from the LSU program almost opted out. Um, and uh, poor, poor Tigers had a great run last year, but between everyone leaving and everyone opting out, I'm not sure they're in for a, a terrific 2020. But hey, who's had a great 2020? Let's be honest. Um, so uh, we have a lot of top draft eligible players that are not going to play this year, which means they're going to have a lot less tape on these guys uh, than you typically would. Even if, even if they're playing, there's a reduction, there's a lack of games. You're not going to have as much film. You're not going to have as much access. Other things to consider is with weird caveats around the NFL draft. The NCAA has granted an extra year of eligibility to anyone who wants to uh, play another year and has the spot to do so. Is that going to mean less seniors in the draft? Are there going to be two buckets? There's going to be the people who aren't playing at all this year because they're ready for the draft. They just opted out. They didn't want to deal with it. And then seniors are going to say, well, uh, there's no point in really, you know, maybe I can build my stock with an actual full season, get to do all the pro days and things like that next year. So more seniors going to stay around for more year in college. Also, can't travel as much to scout. Um, something that's highly underrated is how much uh, NFL teams send scouts to different college games. And if you look in college stadiums, nearly all of them are empty. Yes, there's a couple people who can go scout in certain situations, but overall, almost all that scouting travel has been reduced because, frankly, the NFL players, or I'm sorry, the NFL teams uh, can't afford to have their uh, scouts traveling all over the country, even if it is safe in certain pockets of the country. They can't necessarily come back and meet as teams, you know, every week. They shouldn't send people out and bring them back. So. That's a consideration. I mentioned, are they going to have a senior bowl? Are we going to have pro days? All of this is kind of leading up to it's not going to have the typical flow of a lead up to an NFL draft for a team. So what, where do these teams turn to? And why are we talking about sun diving into data? Here's the tie-in for those of you who are wondering. This is an opportunity to collect and synthesize more data than they ever have to really expand the bounds of what data and other information they have on these players can tell them about. Um, There's a quote here from the Ringer article I mentioned that I uh, referenced. The synthesization, tough word to say, of data presents a unique challenge in this environment. So what you're dealing with is you might not have as much game film. You might not have certain retesting results. You're not going to have that very standard formula that an NFL scouting department would go through and compile for every player. So you got to turn to other routes. Relationships matter more than ever. 
data matters more than ever what you can have. So if you don't have, if you maybe don't have some of those specific data points, you're going to have to find other ways of replacing that. And let's say that's a personal insight from college staff. Let's say that is being able to dig back older film or look at testing results that they, maybe the college folks did, you know, two years ago. Yeah, the 40 yard dash, you'd like to have the current time, but you'd rather have the year and a half ago time from the college staff that you're buddy buddy with than you would not have any idea how fast this guy is. Other really cool advanced metrics like breakout age and dominator rating, I think are going to be a lot more popular. Those are two specifically that people use for receivers a lot, but they could be used for a lot of different positions. There are these very sophisticated formulas that look at some of the measurables, some of the more general metrics, like how many games they played in a college season or how many games they played in college, pardon me, and things like that to really produce these kind of specific numbers of how likely is this guy to pop at the next level and really be a stud. And at the end of the day, there's plenty of data to mine if you're willing to find it. Um, there's tons of stuff out there and there's tons of good opportunities, but it's going to be a challenge for uh, NFL scouting departments to really get creative on how they're capturing data. And the some way I would summarize this is it'll be different, but those who adapt and collect clean data and use it effectively are going to have a bigger advantage than ever. And so why are we talking about this kind of on a more businessy related podcast? Well, that last summary right there is exactly what I was getting at and how this all ties back together. It'll be different, but those that are able to adapt, collect clean data, and utilize it effectively in creative ways are going to have a big advantage. That is exactly what every business out there has to be doing right now in regards to the pandemic, in regards to the economy, in regards, regards to the global situation. Every business should be taking that exact same approach. You need to be doing the exact same thing. Look for new avenues to get information. Act upon what you can control. As something that we've mentioned in the past, um, and uh, if you checked out our other related segment this week on predicting the unpredictable, the thing we wrapped up with was how dashboards are in and forecasts are out. Well, this is kind of the same way. Again, this is how uh, the businesses of NFL teams have to take this approach too. It's just a little bit different, obviously, than maybe you looking at forecasting numbers and things or production numbers within your business, but the same message applies. It's going to be different, but you have to adapt. You have to ensure you collect as much data as you can. You have to make sure that's clean data because, again, clean your data. I'm going to say it every episode, I think, now. And then you have to utilize it effectively and understand where it is and is not appropriate to use in your business. If you do that, you're going to have a lot more success than I think you are. And that's just like your NFL team hopefully kills it in the draft. This is how you and your team kill it in the next board meeting or in the next quarter. With that, we appreciate you guys joining us to hear again on Diving Into Data. Come back soon for a couple more segments next week. But until then, see ya.